Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts and also part of our Lenten series here at St. Michael's Episcopal Church. For those of you tuning into this podcast, uh, because of the Lenten series, um, Calm Words for Anxious Hearts was a podcast we started in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit. Uh, in order to keep people theologically grounded and relatively calm and connected during an uncertain time. And like I often say, whenever we started this, I thought that maybe we'd do six, seven episodes max before we'd all be back to our normal life. And yet here we are, episode 55, with a very special guest, Becky Zartman. And so I want to say a few words um, about Becky before she introduces herself and dives into her reflection. She is currently the canon for welcome and evangelism at Christ Church Cathedral in Houston. Before that, she was the Episcopal missioner at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Uh, she is the editor of a book called Belovedness, Finding God and Self on the college campus, um, and she's also currently on the working group for presiding Bishop Michael Curry's Way of Love Initiative. Uh, she writes curricula for the Brothers of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, and she has her MDiv um, from Virginia Theological Seminary. Um, one more informal note to introduce, I know Becky uh, through other people who I admire and respect who know her well, but um, she was first brought to my attention in a very kind of uh, funny way. Um, uh, my dad uh, lives in Houston, Texas, and um, he had just moved to Houston and uh, was kind of looking for a church. And um, my dad's a lifelong Episcopalian, and um, he he's a pretty harsh critic with respect to sermons. And so every Sunday he'd call and you know, he would tell me about some church he visited and some sermon he listened to, which I'm sure was perfectly faithful, adequate, and well-constructed. But to my dad, you know, there was always some sort of critique. And so it was uh, a Sunday morning. It was the uh, second Sunday after the Epiphany. This is how well I remember it. Uh, when he uh, went to the cathedral to hear a sermon on the baptism of Jesus, and uh, when he called, I was ready for the normal critique of why, you know, is the preaching never up to, to speed? And I was shocked when he said, I just heard the best sermon. And I, I had to, I, I, I said, Dad, Dad, is that you? And uh, he said, yes. And he's like, there's just this, this, this new person at the cathedral who just preached a great sermon. And so I just started doing some digging. And of course, uh, Becky Zartman was new as the canon for Welcome in evangelism. So, Becky, that's my intro. Thank you for being here. Uh, you have uh, passed the harshest uh, critic in the Episcopal Church and be deemed uh, a great preacher. And so to have you here is really an honor. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, John, that's so funny. I was, um, first of all, give your dad a big thanks. That's very kind of him. Um, I'm just so relieved. I thought for a second you were going to tell a story about me and our mutual friend, Whitney Kirby, um, who is somebody I used to get in trouble with in seminary a lot. So I'm so <laughs> glad that took a totally different direction than the way I thought it was going to go. No, uh, on, only good stories on the podcast. So <laughs> only, only good stories. I, I have those in my file for a different day. <laughs> That's for a different podcast. That's right. But welcome, and we're so glad we're so glad you're with us. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Like this is like I, I saw it. I was like, I have to do this. This is so fun. We're glad to have you. Should I get started? Let's let's hear that reflection. Let's, I'm I'm eager. Let's do the thing. Um, let's I do think, it. <laughs> you know, like and, and just to give a little context, I know there's going to be like a big, like a, an easy, like a quick turnaround for this. Um, just so, just so like, but if you're listening in the future, what you need to know is that we just all went through the ringer this week with a huge Texas storm. Um, it was very cold and people did not have power and heat, um, on top of the pandemic, on top of political unrest, on top of racial issues that are plaguing our country. It's just been like really anxious like the name of this podcast i just kept coming back to it and being like that's so great and so what i wanted to do was like just think about like non-anxious things right so um <laughs> this is called being okay with not being okay so early in the pandemic so like oh my gosh a year ago now can you like even uh been so long. But early in the pandemic, I was talking to a very dear friend of mine. And what you need to know about her is that she is just so capable and smart and faithful and just wonderful. And we talked and talked and it was so good to talk to her. And she's just wise and just like really um, like the type of person that if you were in a foxhole, you would want to be a fox in the foxhole with her. Like you just trust her. It's great. Um, and so like, and usually what happens is we talk to each other and we get to a place where we're like, oh, like, you know, things are going to be okay. You know, like, well, whatever the problem is that we're in, we're going to get through it together. Um, except for this conversation, what actually happened is we talked and talked and talked and talked. And then we just kind of realized like how things were going to go deeply, horribly, horribly wrong. And we got to the point in the conversation where we just realized that we are not okay everything is terrible and we're not going to be okay like anytime soon but but we have to find a way with being okay with not being okay and and that's where we left this conversation um and so for the rest of the year i've been like checking in with this dear friend of mine and just we've just been like are you okay no are you okay no <laughs> But how are we okay? Like the question turned into one of like, how do we be okay with not being okay? And then um, on further reflection, what I realized was that I had actually already been doing the work of learning how to be okay with not being okay, because this is just campus ministry. I'd spent four years as Episcopal missioner at Georgetown, basically walking with students as they work toward being okay with not being okay. And I know your rector knows this because he used to do this work too. <laughs> um, 
Um, but like campus ministry, like this, this, this spending this like intense time with people who are mostly 18 to 22 year olds, like this, like really important juncture in young adulthood, um, is like, is just really intense. It's not just campus ministry isn't just a big youth group. Like we do fun things like a youth group, but lots of horrible stuff happens to students. Like lots of things happen in the four years I was at Georgetown with students that were just as intense as any other adult, a mature adult. Um, grandparents are dying. Parents are at the age where they're starting to get cancer and sometimes they die. Uh, friends die, like on campus, usually there was at least one student death a year. It's just kind of how it happens, right? Major mental illnesses are starting to percolate in early 20s. Um, there's enough distance from the family system to realize that students were like, oh, my family was not okay. And they're, they're figuring all of that out. Um, there are vocational issues. Uh, they may have been failing for the first time, like for reals the first time ever in their whole life. Uh, they're figuring out sexuality, relationships, how to party or to not to party. I mean, boy, it's fun. College is so fun. Um, and all of these things are happening for the first time. And like something that I think about a lot, if you ask a mature adult to tell you a story about a, a formational time in their life, almost always it goes back to the young adult years because it was the first time that something had really happened that they were working through. And so what I've realized is that my whole job as a campus missioner was just to stand around and say to people, nothing is okay and everything is okay. We're gonna be okay with not being okay which is pandemic life. <laughs> like, like, this is me and my friend on the phone, right? It's like, we're all going through young adulthood together in this one great big first time experience and it's horrible. Um, but I wanted to talk about the lessons of campus ministry, um, which is how to be okay with not being okay. So I just have some things that like, things that I've learned from there and we're gonna talk about that a little bit. So the first one is keep showing up for church, whatever that looks like even and especially if you don't feel like it. Like if you're listening to this podcast, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but just be reminded and know that it's like a little like spin class. Like, do I hate going to spin class? Yes. Am I happy I went to spin class? Yeah, usually also, I kind of hate that, but it's true, right? Like once you go, once you're actually there, it makes a difference. And church is like that, but way more important. Um, even if we're not meeting together in the way that we could ordinarily want to meet together, like my heart aches for that too. Um, but it still really, really matters showing up in whatever ways you can like makes a difference. And so something I used to talk about pre pandemic with a lot of people, like as a priest, people come to you and say, like, I just, I don't feel my faith anymore. I can't feel my relationship with God. Like I can't like what I don't believe, what am I supposed to do? And I would tell them, just keep showing up. It'll come around again, like sit in the pews and other people will sing for you. Other people will pray for you. Other people will believe for you when you can't believe. Um, that can still happen even now. The spirit can do it. Like God's spirit is not limited by us being in a building all at the same time. Um, but like being in that posture of prayer and being with each other, like know that others are praying for you when you can't. Um, and when you can, 
being there to pray for others is so, so important. The spirit wants to do that work, but you got to show up. Uh, the second is like unto it. Keep on your prayer practices. Uh, if you don't have one, pick up a simple one. Uh, I was told for like a half a decade by one of my spiritual directors that five minutes of silence a day is a spiritual equivalent of flossing your teeth. And I never listened to her until the pandemic happened. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then I started making time for silence, spiritually flossing my teeth. And like, I have to tell you, like, it does really just like, if you need to, you can call me and ask me, but like, it really does make a difference. Um, part of it is learning introverted spirituality for this extrovert, but like whatever that prayer practice is that you do keep doing it. If you're looking for a new one, um, make it simple and attainable and doable and do it every single day because it's all about learning the muscles of praying and being open and establishing and maintaining that relationship with God. The next thing for being okay when it's not okay is calling a friend, especially if you have one, a soul friend, and that's that person that you can just talk about God stuff with. Um, or like the really deep stuff and just really be yourself with them. Everything is terrible, but you can be terrible together. Like, <laughs> like there's a real withness. Um, like we're Christians. We believe in the incarnation. We believe that it's important that God came to be with us. And so it's also important that we be with each other. Um, don't try to solve anything on these calls because you're not going to solve anything. That's not, that's not a thing. It's not going to happen. Just listen and laugh with each other if you can. Um, and just be together. There's such power in togetherness. The next thing you can do um, is just know that you're going to fail and it's going to be terrible. Like it just is, it's going to be terrible. Um, failing during the pandemic is just life. The question is which spinning plate do you want to hit the floor? Um, pick that one and let it hit the floor and maybe let a couple of the other ones hit the floor. And this is really hard for me to do or even think about, but you just can't do it all. Um, and failure is a release from the tyranny of perfectionism. Like it just allows you to be free in a different kind of way. And also like, I've also found in the times when I've just been like, what is that prayer from the, um, the Charlie Price Thanksgiving on page 832 of the Book of Common Prayer? Um, we thank you also for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. There's something about saying, I can't do this, um, that, that makes your relationship with God a little deeper. The reason I have that is because it is taped to my computer monitor <laughs> because I need to be reminded. That's the thing. You will fail. Like, and we should be like on some level, like thank God for those failings because they bring us closer to God. The next thing is get help if you need it. Like that's a big part of being okay with not things being okay. It is really flipping hard right now. Uh, sitting where I'm at, and in a really big parish downtown Houston um, and seeing like parishioners and just my friends on social media and like friends and family, it's really hard. And there is a lot of pain surfacing and a lot of past pain surfacing. 
And so what I'll say about that is like, if you need help, if you are feeling like I'm feeling overwhelmed, talk, call your priest, call, um, get a therapist, someone, anyone, like, just like, just like make sure that you're not struggling through this alone. Um, hang in there and do the work. If I were on a college campus with you, I would walk you to the counseling center. That was something I used to do with my students when it was real bad. I'd say, we're going to walk here and we're going to make an appointment together. And um, so you know when to show up again. And I'm going to pray for you while you're having that appointment. Like there is, um, there's like, that it's such a huge and helpful thing to be able to say, I need some help. I need to do it. And then go and do the thing. It just, it's so healing. Like the possible, God wants you to be healed and it is okay to do that work. It is good to do that work. And so getting help if you need it, it's huge. Another thing you can do, another lesson from campus ministry is let yourself off the hook. Uh, one of my favorite things when I was a very young, oh my gosh, tiny Becky, I'm like 22 years old. I'm at my first internship after college and I make a big work mistake and it's real bad. And I'm just like beating myself up. And one of my, uh, one of the people who was at the, at the internship with me was this volunteer and he was very, very wise person. And without even turning around from his computer, he said to me, well, Becky, by definition, you only gain experience after you need it. Why don't you let yourself off the hook? <laughs> and I did, and it was great. Um, don't You don't constantly need to berate yourself for what didn't happen. Um, you know, like students would be like, I failed my psychology midterm. And I'd say, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay, you failed. Let's figure out what to do next. Um, but you need to be able to let it go and just say, you know what, like, I didn't do it the way I thought I was going to do it, but I'm here and God loves me anyway. Um, another thing from campus ministry, <laughs> um, just from life, really, but I'm, this is going to seem like a little bit of a tangent, but I love composting. I, uh, worm compost, like I love vermiculture because <laughs> No, it's like my one hobby. Like everyone needs more hobbies. My only hobby is worms. Um, but I'm obsessed with it because you put literal garbage in a bucket with a bunch of worms and it turns into this beautiful, deep brown, loamy soil that plants just love. Like literally out of the garbage, flowers bloom. And I just think that's a beautiful metaphor. It's one that I like think about every time I open up a worm bucket to put in food scraps, this garbage is going back into the soil and it's going to feed my vegetable garden. Um, I think about that with like, God takes our garbage, all of the horribleness, all of the not okayness that we're in right now. And God redeems it. I don't believe God causes it. Like, I'm not like one of those people that are like, oh, well, you know, you got cancer so you could learn to be closer to God. Like, no, cancer just kind of happens, right? But there is a, an ability for God to redeem all things. Like, that is the power of, of love and redemption. It's just amazing to watch. 
And um, I think even just remembering, it's a cold comfort now, but I'm sure all of us can think back to times in our life where we really thought like, this was the worst thing. I am not okay. It's not going to be okay. But then it got recycled later into something that like, I never thought I'd be a college chaplain. Like, I just didn't think that was going to be a thing. Um, and then it turns out that all of my horrendous experiences in college were just like, I could just look these students in the eyes and say, yeah, that's real terrible. You're not going to be okay, but we're going to be okay together. Like we're going to do the thing, whatever it is, and it's going to be hard, but God is going to be with you and you don't have to be alone. Um, those experiences were redeemed into a gift for other people. And I really believe this. And I don't necessarily think it's helpful to try to figure out how it's going to happen. I just think it's important to spot it and look for it in our own lives because it helps us tell our story. <laughs> Next up, lessons from college and being okay with not being okay. It's okay to reinvent yourself. Uh, one of the continual things that amaze me in campus ministry is that like a student could change their life in six weeks. They could go from being an accounting major to being, I'm going to be a kindergarten teacher in six weeks. Like literally they could be like, I'm changing my major and my whole life. And here I am. And so like, that's harder for grownups. We just have so much infrastructure around us that it could take six years to do what a college student did in six weeks. But now we never lose the capacity. It just kind of gets ossified. And so I think there's like, a really fun and good, there's goodness in like picking up a weird hobby, like playing with identity and trying things on for size, do something weird and different and unexpected just to try it on because like we're all becoming different people right now through this. And so maybe something that you never thought you'd like is something that you start loving. Um, which brings me to my next one, which is have fun, silly, goofy fun. Because sometimes I feel like when we leave college, we forget it does not take money to have fun. Like in college, you have no money and you had tons of fun, right? Like there's so much fun you can have when you have time and space for creativity. Um, like even boredom can be good. Like boredom is like creativity is like secret friends, like that's how like weird, amazing things happen that can be lots of fun. Um, and so if you're one of those people that has more time than usual, think about that. Like what are like, how are we putting joy into our life? How are we allowing it space to play and run around even in the middle of everything? Even if it's just laughing at the existential absurdity that is life in 2021, right? And the last one, um, which is embrace your belovedness, which is what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday. Uh, but in a nutshell, if you can believe that God loves you, like, like with your whole self, nothing else matters. And this is the epitome of being okay with not being okay. Um, like I think about, like, I'm not saying we all go need to be martyrs, but like, think about how okay a lot of the martyrs were. Like they were in the worst situation possible and yet nothing was okay. And yet everything was okay. And I think when we get into the zone of realizing that like nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, 
not unfinished work, not a broken heart, not chaos at time, chaos at home and in the world, not even a pandemic. When nothing can separate us from that, then you know your love no matter what. That's where you really get into being okay with not being okay. And this love then gives you hope and joy and energy, and it tells you you're enough, that nothing is okay, but everything is okay. And I know how hard it is to do. I know I struggle, I struggle with this all the time, but it's so deeply true. It's the bedrock of our faith. It's grace and love and all the fruits of the spirit mixed up. So this is what I'll tell you. <laughs> the things that I've learned from being with 18 to 22 year olds who are trying to figure this all out for the first time. For us who are all, who are grownups, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a real grown up, but like who are adults who've already been through that, we're all going through this for the first time. I just wanna tell you, you are so loved and nothing is okay, but everything will be okay. Well, that was excellent, Becky, thank you. <laughs> that was so, so good. And just a, a little um, housekeeping, I think after hearing that, I'm gonna, I feel like you sold yourself short on your, your bio you gave us. I've changed it on our website to Becky Zartman. Believes church is like spin class, horrible, but very important. Loves worms, insists you will fail and feel terrible. Thinks of boredom and creativity as secret friends. How does it sound? Do you like it? <laughs> That's good. I like it better than the other stuff. When you were talking about all that stuff, I kept forgetting I'd done those things. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just this joking. Is the important no, that, stuff, John. <laughs> that's right. No, that was that was excellent. I'm not gonna. Uh, I wanna. I wanna dive right in because that was so so good. My so I I just want to talk about your reflection and kind of my first question is like, have you always been on the um, you know, things are well when they're not well trained? Or did you have like a breaking point in life? Like I find that there's like <laughs> two people. Some people have like always been on the everything's okay when it's not okay. Like, like bandwagon, you know, they've, they've been there. And I think yeah. that there's a lot of resources to enable more of us to start our journey there. But some of us like start out thinking, oh, no, I'm going to hold this together and I'm going to make it OK. And then like one day they're like, I can't do it anymore. And out of necessity, like they crack and then they're like, OK, things have to be OK with not being OK. Which yeah. which of those two is you? <laughs> oh, I came pre-broken, John. Like there has never been a time in my life where things were okay. So like you just kind of like have to navigate it. And it just is a, I don't know. Like it's a, like, also I really truly believe in the ability to laugh at absurdity, especially the absurdity that is life. You know, like yeah. you just got it. You have to be able to be like, you know what? This is so terrible it's funny again it's like a big horseshoe right <laughs> like come around i do but there's also i mean but there is also like i i think that the capacity to truly laugh at like absurdity comes from something else like in your reflection because there is a paradox like the paradox is like things are okay even when they're not okay 
Um, and there was a great kind of resonance of hope in God underpinning this whole thing. And, you know, it made me think of um, Julian of Norwich, who, you know, apparently oh. that quote everyone knows of, yeah. you know, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall end well. And, you know, she said these words. I'm pretty sure she's like dying of the plague. She's not at the Four Seasons getting, getting a massage <laughs> when she says this. I mean, like, these are like really bad times. And yet she's like, things are okay. Things will end well. And so I'm wondering, like, am I hearing you right? Like, is there a little bit of paradox in that what enables us to be okay with things not being okay is like this deeper theological okayness tied to God? Yeah. And part of it is for me, um, I know this is like super basic. Like, I'm going to sound like a basic white girl, but I kind of really love Stanley Hauerwas. (laughs) like 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 if this gets out too much I'm gonna get yelled at but like here's the thing that I love I love about him which is like one of his big pushes is like it doesn't matter if you're successful or not because the question Mm -hmm. is never about success it's about faithfulness and so if we move the goalposts from like are we going to do the thing that we all want to do that makes us look successful? And instead we start asking the question, uh, is what I'm doing faithful to the gospel? Is what I'm doing building the kingdom of God? Like that's where the paradox happens because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The kingdom of heaven's in a mustard seed, right? Like there's this this like the paradox is built into the kingdom and so if you're trying to your best to live into the kingdom then like you're already you're already doing it okay i've got it like a harebrained thought but hear me out i'm going to talk I'm about it in my other thing okay so i believe in these things called virtue circles i name them virtue circles i don't have a better name for them but i really believe that there are certain things virtues in in the world that are both the means and the end. And so what I mean by that is like with love or joy or friendship, like the means is the end. So like, like, let's use friendship, like the purpose, like the, the means, um, what you're trying to do is be friends with someone, but the way you be friends with someone is by being friends with them. And if you're being friends with them, you've already met the, the ends. Right. Like it, like love. If you, um, if the means, if the end is love, you want to create love in the world. You do it by love, and therefore you've already succeeded. There's no failing. You know? <laughs> like, right. And so, and but it doesn't work the way the rest of the world works. And people are gonna look at you like you're daft. But, but it's so liberating. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. And I would, I would even, ex- I mean, I would even expand that a little bit of like, certainly with friendship and love, but now certainly some things just are, you know, purely instrumental. But I think like, I, I think that we tend to think that far too many things are instrumental to something else when in reality, like God is always in the present. And so on the one hand, you and I are recording a podcast right now. Why are we doing this? Well, we could say, well, this conversation is instrumental to, um, you know, getting a link online, sharing the pot, you know, it's, it's instrumental to like sharing the content with the parish. 
and I'm not saying that there's that that, that we're not going to do that. That there's certainly some truth that this will carry forward into other things that will benefit other people. But for this to be truly beautiful and meaningful, like in the moment, it's actually just about our conversation, and it's about being fully present to where we are, and at the moment we make anything instrumental, you know, to something else. Um, I, I mean, whether it's just doing the dishes, right? You do the dishes so that you can kind of like go watch TV and be done with it. Or you can just be fully present to doing the dishes, you know, as uh, brother Lawrence, brother Lawrence the who wrote, you know, the practice of the presence of God. Right. <laughs> and, you know, cause if we're always trying to move past, like what we're doing to get somewhere else, we actually miss where God is. Mm. Just that presence and the being and the, and the breath, like something I've been thinking about, like, I'll be, I'll be honest, John, I've spent like, I don't know, what am I, 35? I spent 34 years of my life running at top speed all the time. And then this pandemic. You are a fast moving one-year-old. <laughs> I mean, geez, oh, that's yeah. impressive. <laughs> oh, just like zinc, like, like, you know, like seriously, yeah. like, it's just like, I don't know, it's a Zarbin problem. We're all like that. It's, it's not healthy, but, um, <laughs> so like, but like this year, this last literal year, like I've literally found myself focusing literally on my breath, mm-hmm. like just being like, okay, I'm going to breathe in and I'm going to breathe out and then I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to be where I'm at, even if it's not where I want to be, it's still where I am. That's, that's awesome. And, and I think about in the Hebrew language, the word breath and spirit are the same word. Like Mm -hmm. there's no differing word, you know, God's breath and God's spirit, your breath and God. I mean, just there that anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off on my own tangent Um, there. That's no, but I, that, that's it, right? Like this pandemic, right? 34 years, you run at full speed. And then all of a sudden, um, life presents you with a situation where that way of being is no longer a possibility. And so you say, okay, um, where is God to be found? Yeah. And I think my hope is like my, my real hope is that this experience is going to be composted. Like, I know it's already been composted for myself, but have like looking across the church. Um, I'm sure you've had these conversations with our colleagues too. Like even just the priests are having a kind of a renaissance of either burning, like be, I think it's because they're burning down, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like because it's so bad, like our options are like, okay, like we have to trust God. We have to let go and trust God, or we're just going to go up in flames too. And some people are doing that. And you know, <laughs> thing. Right. Uh. So t- t- tease out the, the composting, but I'm, I'm uh, not a gardener. There's many things that I don't do. I know the idea of composting, but kind of what happens when something is composted kind of, you know, talk, how is this like compost? So, um, It's just, okay, so compost, it's like very basic, is the idea that organic matter, which is like leaves or wood or um, any plant product, really, or even like meat. I don't compost meat because that gets stinky, but you can compost meat. Um, Mm -hmm. All the things that are living will eventually die. And when they die, they decompose. And there's this natural process 
where through uh, just bacteria eating things. Um, so if you have like a big compost heap in your yard and you let oxygen in there and you have enough water in there and you turn it, which is just letting oxygen in and you have the right mix of nitrogen, like brown and green, like we can get into all of that. But the amazing thing is, is that over time, the bacteria will just eat what is dead and it disintegrates into compost. And so like but worms speed up the process because they're like tiny creatures whose entire point is composting. Like you look at them and they're disgusting. Like they're these like, like, and like we even talk about worms super negatively, right? Like, like dust to dust. Like we think about worms, like wormwood and like the fires of hell, like worms show up in that a lot. But in reality, what worms are doing is they're just eating what is dead, changing it in their bodies. And then like, it's basically worm poo, like worm casting um, is incredibly nutrient rich. And, and the plants who are alive feed off of that, those nutrients. And you should see the difference in gardens when they're not just constantly being depleted, but are returned. And you're just returning what's already from the garden back into the garden. And it's just- it's it sounds like another metaphor for like resurrection, really, of like death and new life. I mean, and so what I'm hearing you say with like composting this is saying, yeah, some things are going to die, but like this is a God. I mean, whether we're going to deal with like the imagery of a uh, worm poop or Jesus out of the tomb, like we're talking about like <laughs> God bringing new life out of the death that we're not experiencing. And so the whole idea of like not being okay or being okay with not being okay it's all tied to this understanding and this confidence really that like, no, no, no. Like the lack of okayness has its place and something beautiful is going to spring up, whatever that is. And it's, it's hard to know what that thing is, but I think it's even more so is that like life cannot grow without these nutrients. You can't grow a new garden without feeding your garden. And, and the food from that garden comes from things that are dead. Yeah. So the other thing about being okay, I, I keep tripping this up in my head, being okay with not being okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I think it's a good uh, title and we should like stick with it because it's catchy. But I think that what it really made me think of was, being okay with life not unfolding the way that you always desire, picture, and predict, you know, because when we talk about things not being okay, a lot of times we're like, this is not what I would have chosen. Like, this is not what I want. And certainly, I mean, look, you put all of us in a room uh, last January and said, hey, (laughs) so I'll give you two options, like flourishing year of fun and travel and you know, everything good, health, wealth, prosperity, or option two, global pandemic. Uh, None of us choose option two, right? Um, But I I think that like, I I don't know if you said this explicitly, but I also kind of heard this, like the undertones of this is that of course, life is not going to unfold the way that we desire, want, or predict all the time. And like that's where God is. God is in what's actually happening. God's not in what we want to happen. And 
you know, one of the things your reflection made me wonder is how often do we miss out on God because we're grieving the fact that our desired picture of reality just hasn't unfolded. Or we're focusing so hard on like, we're, we're just, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And this is like, speaking of like campus ministry stuff, like so often I would meet with students who like have this idea of how things are supposed to be. And even if that thing that, like so often, like the thing that they actually wanted was going to make them miserable. Like in Georgetown, the thing is becoming a consultant. You become a consultant, you make like a hundred grand right out of school. Like you work for Deloitte, you do your thing, um, but you're working 80 hours a week. You have no social life. You do have, have it destroys you, but it's a thing that like they think they want, but it's not life. And so like, like, and so I think it's also important to remember that we have, we have our own ideas about how things should go, the way that we want them to go, the way that we dreamed about being things when we were little, or the things that our parents put in our heads, or our teachers put in our heads, or all these things about what we should be, but being actually able to take a step back and being where we are, and asking, but where does God want me to be? Like, right. That's the, that's when you start hitting freedom. Yeah, but because God can only be found in reality and our actual experience, not in what we want reality to be. And, you know, um, and like it or not, I mean, like, I, I don't mean, what I don't mean in saying this, you know, is to say, suck it up and move past it. That's not at all what I'm saying, because there is like the deep grief that comes with the lack of okayness. I mean, we have to look at that. We have to lament the broken relationships, the deaths, the the things that aren't well, we have to feel those deeply. But But also we have to name like, this is so. We might wish that it were otherwise, but this is so, meaning this is the only place God can be found. God cannot be found anywhere else because this is what our experience of life is. And, you know, God is, you know, you you mentioned the incarnation. God is incarnate in the actual world, not our preferred mental world. Uh Like maybe, not maybe, but I think people too often think that they'll find God when everything is the way it should be. So when my marriage is stronger, God will be more present to me. When my family is all doing the things they're supposed to do, when my career is on track, when my social life is good, when my whole, you know, whatever that thing is, we we kick it down the road. But you're right. It's like God is there. God is where you are right now. God wants to be with you where you are right now. It's God's favorite place to be. <laughs> yeah. So, so for those of you listening, St. Michael's, uh, you probably know by now um, that we uh, sustain significant damage to our sanctuary and our building. And, you know, who knows um, what all is going to unfold there other than we're going to fix it and it's all going to be fine. But uh, before <laughs> before getting on this call with Becky, I was on a different call where I was told, you know, please don't go to your office. There's sewage in there and the roof caved in and there's some mold. And you know, I'm, I'm about, I'm not okay. I'm about to have a breakdown, but thanks to Becky, I'm now okay <laughs> with the fact that I'm not okay. Um, and um, 
no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but this, this, um, this message really does come at a timely place, not just for me personally, but, uh, uh, and not just for our parish, you know, St. Michael's isn't unique. Um, we've all been in a pandemic for a year and uh, we are not the only church who has sustained a lot of damage from the recent winter storm, nor are we the only people who have been without electricity for 60 plus hours uh, or struggled to get water and food. And so, you know, for all of those listening today, I, I really hope that you hear um, in Becky's reflection and in our conversation um, an overarching message of, of hope. And so Becky, the last thing that I would just ask you to speak to is that, that hope, you know, you offered so many good, you know, tips and things that you've learned. And I mean, I wrote them all down and was like, check, I need to do that. Check. Yes. I was like, you know, but, but the, the thing that really shines through is the hope, right? That there's a reason things are okay when they're not okay. So, I guess my last question for you is, uh, what is that hope that you want to leave us with for that this conversation? Oh, my hope, and this ties in a little bit to what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday, that stuff, um, mm-hmm. is that we could all find that belovedness, that, mm-hmm. like, that like felt knowledge that God loves you god created you because god loves you for the purpose of loving you like that's amazing and just being able to like but it's so hard and especially when things are hard it's even harder to feel it like even when things are good it's hard because it's just such Mm -hmm. like our tiny little brain can't hold it in but our souls can because our souls are built for that and so my hope would be that even in all of this struggle that the people who are listening to this feel that love, but maybe they start praying for it, that they might know that kind of love, that they might allow it to change their life, that they could hold on to it in a way that feeds them and gives them grace and hope too. Love it. All right, now there's one, I said that was our last question, but it's really not. Um, There's five questions I ask all of our guests during Lent at the end of these podcasts and um, just a sentence or two answer, just kind of whatever (laughs) spontaneously comes to mind, okay? So these are John John Newton's uh, five questions at the end of every Lenten podcast, okay? You ready? All right, let's go. All right. Number one, what are you grateful for at the moment? Uh, I am grateful for childcare today. The school was closed, but one of my uh, priest colleagues has a teenage daughter that we bubble with them. And um, her teenage daughter is watching my five-year-old and I'm so grateful. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Number two, what are you less sure of given your experience of COVID-19, you know, in this past year than you were before the pandemic began? Oh, um, oh, this is gonna get a little dark, sorry. Um, That's okay. I am less sure. Part of the reason I moved to Texas is because I'm very interested in learning about how churches want, run really well and then taking that back out to the rest of the church and some of my national work. And so 
uh, I thought I had a 10 year runway to do some of that work. And I'm not sure that exists anymore, COVID. And so that's something that I think about a lot, but it's gonna be like, I'm okay with that not being okay. We're all adapting and learning. And I've been so amazed at how people have adapted. Yeah. Okay. People start podcasts for their parishioners. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I am. I'm so grateful for the podcast class I took at Virginia Theological Seminary. To I'm joking. There was no podcast class. Okay. Um, all right. Question number three. Uh, what are you more sure of now as a result of the pandemic? Oh, I am absolutely more sure that God is showing up than ever before. Not because God is showing up more, because God is always showing up all the time. It's just that I've been able to hear other people's stories about how God is showing up. And that's been really good for my soul. Okay, awesome. Number four, what movie, show, book, or song has brought you sanity and or peace in the past year? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I've been reading mysticism anthologies. Mysticism anthologies? Yeah, I know it sounds bonkers, but hear me out. Somebody else went through and picked all the good stuff out and then gives me like five pages of it. And it's lovely. <laughs> and so, <laughs> okay. like some, some PhD somewhere has spent like a ton of time doing this. And, and here's the thing, they're bite-sized and they're accessible. I've read Bernard McGinn's um, just anthology of Christian mysticism. I've done um, Dupree's Light from Light anthology. I need to find another one. And just getting into that kind of like best hits and hearing people's, like hearing the stories of the mystics and how God is show, showed up for them gives me such yeah. hope and 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 clarity about what God's doing now. I just it's just been so wonderful. So I've been really on a mysticism train. I've also been really into reading letters from people. I don't know why, but um, reading letters from saints to other saints. It's my favorite thing. They're so okay. fun. They're all friends with each other. <laughs> okay. Okay, so for those of you at home, mysticism anthologies, right? That's the name of it. Uh, just like no, as a genre, like as an entire genre. I oh, can send you the link, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. And then last question, Becky. Whenever you meet God face to face, what do you hope to hear God say to you? I want to hear God laugh. Okay. <laughs> like, like I hope I get a really good laugh. Love um, it. <laughs> because, because like, I mean, what else could you want? Like a happy laugh, not like a, oh boy, you really buffed this one, Darman. But like, a, yeah. you know, like, like we're laughing together. Like that's my, that's what I hope. That's my hope. Um, Becky, thank you so much for um, your witness, your hope, your humor, your willingness to be with us, your willingness to share your gifts and perspective with St. Michael's Episcopal Church. And uh, I, I just so much enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed getting to know you better and um, can't thank you enough. Thanks for being with us. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks, John.
And we're out. <laughs> All right, that was great. <laughs>